Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of What a Hardo, presented to you by Hardo Sports and Guy Boston Sports. I'm your host, Colin Kanata. I'm alongside my guys again, Anthony Simone and Mike Contento. We're back for some more content. We're going to get ourselves back in the swing of things. Uh, I'm going to start off the episode by apologizing to everyone out there who likes to listen to our show. Uh, we, we've been going through some stuff. Uh, I'll just, you know, I'll put it out there. I did test positive for COVID-19, um, so I've been dealing with that. Finishing up my quarantine here in the next couple days. Uh, you know, honestly, not too bad compared to some of the things you hear. Um, I think, you know, Twitter and the internet and all these news outlets would, you know, make you make you pretty scared about getting COVID-19. I am pretty much asymptomatic, uh, little, little issues with taste and smell, uh, but I guess that was to be expected. So, gentlemen, I'm glad to be back. Uh, like I said to the fans out there, I apologize, but, you know, so, some things are a, a little bit more important than getting on the podcast and recording. Uh, but, you know, with some things, college football playoff, college basketball starting, NBA starting soon, uh, we're gonna we're gonna be back pumping out content for you guys, so we're glad to be back. Yeah, no doubt we are, Colin. I think I speak for our listeners and Mike and myself when we say that we're glad that your symptoms are are minimal at best, and you know that water looking pretty tasty there. I know you'd have no idea, but um, <laughs> you know, obviously, me and Mike have also had some scares left and right, and we keep dodging the bullet. Uh, it almost feels like a matter of time, uh, but you know, as you said, happy to be back on schedule here, and glad that you're feeling up to getting some content out yeah colin glad that you're feeling up to everything and you know obviously we've all been busy with school and shit and uh you know it's a crazy time out there but you know we're committed to getting back after it and we're gonna you know in the new year and the the coming weeks of the you know this this year we're gonna be uh pumping it out for you guys and you know we're ready to go full steam ahead and uh i'm excited fellas i'm excited to be back so let's get it on yeah, I'm excited too. And I, I just, you know, I, I, I always feel bad when, you know, it kind of gets away from you and then it gets away from you for a couple weeks. And then it's, it, it's tough to jump back into the swing of things, especially after the positive test. Um, but we're going to be back on weekly episodes. We can promise you guys that, um, you know, and kind of just get back to, to where we were over the first several months of quarantine, uh, you know, bring it, bring in content about whatever's going on, whatever we feel like, uh, you know, you guys will think is interesting. So that's what we're going to do today. And we're going to get right back into it, uh, you know, without wasting any further time. Um, and I appreciate the well wishes, gentlemen. Um, like I said, I'm just, I'm glad to be feeling all right. I'm glad to be doing fine. Uh, this coming Friday, I should be out of isolation. Um, so hopefully back to, you know, normal life or, you know, whatever normal life is these days, uh, you know, during a pandemic. So we'll see what happens, but, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just thankful to be doing well. Um, all right. So speaking of COVID, uh, you know, you, there's, there's no topic that is more fitting to start with than the NFL struggles with COVID and honestly, how much of a disgrace it's become. If you ask me personally, uh, you know, it, I think at the beginning of the year, and I think we talked about this here, um, come hell or high water, it seemed like they were going to play and they really wanted to play and they were going to kind of adjust the schedule and do the things that they had to do uh, to make sure that they got these games in. And at the beginning of the season, we saw several you know, schedule adjustments and things were looking pretty bleak. Uh, you know, the Titans, the Patriots, um, you know, the the missing bye weeks for teams like the Steelers and the Patriots and stuff like that. And then we went on a little streak where I was kind of like, wait, do they not care anymore? 
because there were still positive tests happening and still people missing games. And if you're, you know, if you're a fantasy football uh, manager and you're in any league, you understand that because you've definitely had a player or two that, you know, plays on Sunday and on Monday, he's got the little O for out next to his name. And you're like, wait, he didn't get injured. I watched the whole game and then come to find out he tested positive the next day or tested positive on Sunday. And they didn't have the result back until after the game. So um, you know, everyone's seen it. Everyone's dealt with it. Um, and I, you know, I would say almost every team is now uh, across the league has had some capacity of a COVID scare. But I, like I said, it was kind of like, do they care anymore? Because there, you know, there weren't games being canceled and rescheduled there for a good period of time. But the positive tests were still coming in. Uh, I guess it was because the, you know, the situations were under control or if that's what we want to call it. Uh, and now you see this week that it's kind of gotten out of control again. Um, so you have the Steelers and the Ravens. We'll start with that. Um, you know, this was supposed to be a Thursday night game. This was supposed to be a Thanksgiving game. And I think everyone collectively was devastated when they found out it wasn't going to be there. You know, everyone wants to lay on their couch post-Turkey, little tryptophan in the system, half asleep, hearing, hearing the game in the background. And that was actually going to be a pretty good game for Thanksgiving, uh, you know, standards. After you have to watch the Lions play the Texans and and – an NFC East battle between the Redskins and the Cowboys. I think everyone was looking forward to seeing this game. Um, and now, you know, where I'm talking to you here on Tuesday as we record this, and the game is going to be Wednesday. So it's almost a week removed. It's six days removed from when the game was actually supposed to be played. You had, uh, you know, the Ravens were the first team who had positive tests, and they fell into that category of guys played on their last game on a Sunday and found out later that night that they had tested positive that day. I know J.K. Dobbins was one of them. J.K. Dobbins, 19 fantasy points on my bench. Glad I get, you know, glad I didn't play him. Anthony squeaked out a victory against me because of it. But uh, nice job, Colin. You know, J.K. Dobbins plays a game, scores a touchdown, normal, and then finds out that he had COVID like during the game. It's absolutely crazy. So there's a breakout. Lamar Jackson has COVID, and the Steelers are all like, oh, we wanted to play. We finally had our chance to play on Thanksgiving. And then if it isn't, you know, fate, I guess, two days later, the Steelers have an outbreak. So that game, uh, I guess, is kind of a a good example of how this season has gone for the NFL. And, you know, it's like, are they just going to keep pushing it back? Like, what what, what are we going to play that game on on Thursday when the next week of the NFL season is starting? Like, what are we doing here? I, I, I don't understand. So... Yeah, I would say from my perspective, in terms of like, obviously, everybody league wide has been affected. But in terms of contenders, has anybody been more affected than the Steelers at this point? I mean, they, they lost their bye early. And I don't know if I'm just saying this because maybe I've seen their players be the most vocal about it. Like I see an Ebron tweet every day almost or a Claypool tweet, you know, guys just talking, man, they took our bye from us. Now our chance to play on Thanksgiving. Um, and then you look at it further than that, right? Like this Ravens game was supposed to be Thanksgiving. Their next game isn't supposed to be, it's a Monday night game the next week, 12 uh, on the 7th of December. That's a pretty decent layoff, right? To get your legs back under you. Um, and you know, reset for the final playoff, uh, obviously they're in the playoffs, but reset for that final push toward the end of the season and toward, you know, what might be a Super Bowl run. And now all of a sudden, you know, you're playing a game on Wednesday only to play again on Monday that you don't have that layoff. Um, you know, obviously they had their outbreak as well. So it's, you can't just say, oh, the Steelers are, are perfectly fine. And the other teams are just kind of getting catered to, but 
you know, Colin, you're right. It, it kind of feels like at this point, like, is the NFL just like turning the uh, the other cheek on some of these things? Are they, you know, is this really the best they could be doing with scheduling and protocols and and things of that nature? Or are they just trying to, you know, by any means necessary, drag their feet to the finish line here? Um, but yeah, I'll say just from my point, my standpoint, I don't know if any team's been, any contending team's been more affected than the Pittsburgh Steelers. And they have a right to be upset, and they have been upset. Still undefeated, though. They definitely <laughs> Somehow have been upset. Away. And you know, it calls into question, like, the NFL's, the, the only reason that I think this is a big problem is that the NFL, A, like Mina Kimes said on NFL Live yesterday, never planned this into the schedule somehow. Like, they they stayed with their one bye week thinking, oh, yeah, things will be all right. And then, obviously, we saw bye weeks are being moved by week three, and, you know, now we're at this stage of the game. Um, and it really only because that they're so committed to having the Super Bowl in the first week of February. And, obviously, I don't understand what goes into the whole scheduling of... But at this point unless you're going to have the Ravens play every five, six days and the Steelers as well, like, what are you going to do? There's just no possible way that all these games are going to get in. Uh, you know, the one thing that interests me is if they're saying they're testing, you know, every second day or every every day, whatever it is, how someone could have played in the game and then found out their results later and by the way, J.K. Dobbins and Mark Ingram are eligible to play in the game tomorrow night. So they've only been, you know, quarantined, isolated, whatever, for 10 days, which obviously that is not the um, CDC ruling. I don't know what the NFL rules there, you know, what they're following. But either way, I mean, that can't be good. Um, so and then, you know, I think just to, to kind of like segue it into the next topic, all we really want is for it to be fair. And it seems as if whatever game is affected by money and, you know, what they know will have a lot of viewers that they will, like you said, hell or high water, ensure that that game plays like, you know, the saints and the Broncos probably should have been either canceled or moved back. Like they had to trot out there with a practice player that some of the guys didn't even know his name when he showed up to the, <laughs> to the field on Sunday and they dropped them back like nine times. So, I mean, it's just crazy. And, uh, I, just insa- it, utter insanity to not have it planned into the schedule with at least two bye weeks. Yeah, in my opinion. Yeah, and you think about how exhausting a season like this is, anyways. Because I mean, you look at us—we're students, and this has been by far the most exhausting semester that I could have ever possibly had in my whole school career. Any time I've ever been a student, just because of the constant worrying, the constant fear, and email every other day from the school. Oh, you guys should go get tested. You got to isolate. You got to do this. There's so many people. This dorm building is shut down. Like it's just an exhausting time in general. So I don't understand how detrimental it would have been to the NFL or what they were trying to do to just throw in an extra bye week. And then if you don't have to use it, the teams get two weeks off out of the, you know, out of their 16 games. They is that really be getting two weeks off? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is that, is that really that big of a deal? I, I mean, heck I would have even, I wouldn't have minded to see three bye weeks, you know, have, you got to find a way obviously to balance them out. So there's teams playing every weekend and, you know, I'm sure you can figure that out, but I mean, it just seemed negligent to go in and think like we're you know we're bigger than the coronavirus. Like we can we can get this done without having any 
that we couldn't fix with one bye week. And you brought it up, Mike, the Super Bowl being scheduled. Like, I know the Super Bowl week is planned ahead for years and people are buying hotels, but is that really happening this year? Like, are we, do we really have to have it be this certain date for the sake of, you know, all things, you know, happening in Tampa Bay? Because the Super Bowl week is going to be nothingness. I know Florida kind of beats to their own drum, and that's a story for another time. Um, so they'll probably still be doing something down there for Super Bowl week. But I don't see how harmful it could possibly be to move back the Super Bowl. But with that being said, I want to get into what you said, Mike, about the Broncos. It's like, is that the product you really want to put out there? Is that really what you want fans to see? And it's like you're it's like putting a you know a softball on a tee for the media to just destroy you. Like you had to know that this was going to be one of the worst PR situations the league could possibly have in a really bad PR year for the NFL. They're already struggling mightily because people think exactly what we think. Yeah. Do I love sitting down and watching red zone on the weekends? You know, would I be upset if it was gone? Absolutely. But does the, the logical person in me think that this is a good idea or that this has been executed well, or that this is safe for the players? Like, what are we waiting for? Are we waiting for someone to get like seriously sick? Like, are we waiting for someone to potentially die? Like, I hate to sound morbid, but like, what are we waiting for to, to make some changes or, or not keep, you know, just pounding into this stone wall? It's like ramming your head into the wall 10 times in a row. The same thing keeps happening and they just keep going back and trying again. So it's it's ugly. But I think this uh, this Broncos situation was like the the prime example of just how bad it's gotten. Yeah, and I think you've got to look at, like, is this the product that we want to put on the field and display at this point? Like, and it's not a knock on the Broncos. It's not a knock on that kid. Like, I think that's everybody's dream to be working in sales a month ago, signed to the practice squad, and next thing you know, I'm taking NFL snaps, uh, you know, out of the blue. Like, it's it's not a knock on any of that. But when you're the NFL, like, is that the product you want to display to a national audience week in, week out, right? And I think... You know, there's a certain level of like cockiness maybe in the NFL where like they took over like God's day, right? Like Sunday was for mass, for family, for God. Now it's the NFL and everything else is tertiary. I'm lying, Mike. I see no, you're laughing. Not. But I'm just li- hilarious. It's hilarious. God's day, like literally. So to to say that you know maybe they think that they're bigger than the coronavirus, I don't even think that's outlandish. Like they might actually be sitting there thinking. Yeah, like we're we're doing it our own way. If you like, think you're bigger fun. than God, you might think you're bigger than COVID nineteen. Yeah, I, I mean you're you're tempting fate there a little bit, Roger. A little <laughs> bit at least. Um, and you know, I think, I think the last time or within the last couple times that we got on together, I said that like this is borderline JV football at this point. Like, and it's across the board: college football, NFL. I know that fans obviously we want to see football. Period. Right, but like. When it's not your, you're not putting your best foot forward and you're not putting your best product out on the field, as you said, Colin, you leave yourself wide open to just get eviscerated in the media by fans, by, you know, other coaches and league officials who have commentary on it. And it's not, they're not wrong in doing so. This is what, this is the route that the NFL, you know, has decided to go. And as I said, like, they're just going to drag their feet to the end of this thing now. Yeah, and uh, shout out to Kendall Hinton. Uh, that's the name of of the Wake Forest graduate who played quarterback at Wake Forest, then played receiver, then got signed to the practice squad. Threw two picks, but you know what? For a kid that didn't drop back one, didn't even take 
practice reps at quarterback. He was playing receiver for the practice squad. Then all of a sudden, you've got, you know, Cam Jordan breathing <laughs> down your neck. You know, I mean, shout out to that kid, man. That takes a lot of balls to just, you know, step up. He obviously, you know what? If I was him, I don't know if I if I would have said yes. He didn't. He didn't have to go out there. So I, I'm gonna give a lot of credit to him. Um, my my like second hardo of the week would have been Dan Orlovsky because this guy went on TV yesterday to say. Shame on the Broncos quarterbacks. Shame on the Broncos quarterbacks. Are you kidding me? That's well, one well. positive test. That is one positive test of one whole team and three close contacts. Is it dumb that they didn't have one quarterback set to the side so that didn't have to happen? No, but they yeah, should have had their dumb. masks on. It's pretty they said dumb. It was, they said it was an extra. The, the team was not practicing, and the quarterbacks came in to watch film, and none of them wore their masks. So – do I think Dan Orlovsky is dragging it a little bit? Big yes. Drag. Big but drag. At the same time, aren't by the Broncos either. Yeah, you got to wear you got to wear your mask. When you've got teams with 20 to 25 player outbreaks, when you have uh, I read a uh, Minnesota football uh, college level obviously had 47 positive tests, 21 players, 26 staff. Talk about rowing the boat, row the yeah, boat right to earth. Their boat there. went down like the Titanic <laughs> a long time ago, Colin, a long time ago. I mean, it's just, it's a clown league. It's a literal clown league. And it's sad because if you actually look at what's being played in terms of the football, this could have been one of the best seasons in terms of you didn't know the Patriots were going to be there. You know, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of contenders on both sides. There's no real favorite. There's no real, even the Steelers at 10 and 0 aren't like, oh, they're for sure going to the Super Bowl. You had a, a real chance to have a lot of people view the NFL as like, wow. Competitive-ass league. That Competitive league is league. the league. And you know what? They might be underneath MLB right now. And MLB has been going downhill for a while in terms of everything going on, viewership, uh, Manfred, whatever you want to say. The NFL is getting into that level, and it's disgusting, honestly. It's, it's negligence. It's just negligence. And – you know, it, it's continued to get worse, and I think they've desensitized how people feel about COVID now. Like, if you're an NFL fan, you're like, are you really that scared of COVID? You've heard your, you know, your favorite team or your team's rival or, you know, a million different guys have had it, and then they're back. Like you said, J.K. Dobbins and Mark Ingram are going to play a football game tomorrow. They tested positive quite recently. So, it, you know, I, the, the desensitivity Something that I think has changed the public's perception about COVID, and that is not a good thing for our country as a whole. So they're not only not doing themselves any favors, they're not doing America any favors, if you ask me. And, and now you have teams, right? Like, we, we didn't even have this on the docket, but, like, now that I'm just thinking about it, like, the Niners were scrambling to find a place to play, like, 48 yeah. hours ago. Like, cause they're playing in Arizona. Yeah, obviously it's not a, you know, that's not an NFL decision. I think the story there is that the county... Uh, or the local government, whatever it is, shut down all sports uh, so they can't host events there. But, like, you've got an NFL team with no football field to play at. So, what, like, what are we doing here? What are we really doing here? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's bad. And I guess I want to close this, this set because, I mean, we could talk about this for an hour. But I want to close this kind of segment of the show by asking you guys this. And I think this is a wildly interesting question. What happens 
So, so I'm just going to use an example. We get to the Super Bowl and we'll say it's the Chiefs versus the Seahawks. Let's just say that for, for argument's sake. What happens if Patrick Mahomes or Russell Wilson test positive? Like the, the week leading up to the Super Bowl. What, like, what does the NFL do then? Does the NFL really want a Super Bowl that's either Patrick Mahomes versus Geno Smith or you know Russell Wilson versus Chad Henney, I think, is their backup? Like, what, what do you do in that case? Because then that's like literally a wasted Super Bowl. And you want to talk about an asterisk. That would be the biggest asterisk of all time. Like it's one thing if there's an injury and, and, you know, injuries are part of football. COVID-19 is not part of football. Like if Patrick Mahomes, they've got a 20 point lead in the AFC championship and, you know, their fate to go to the Super Bowl is pretty much sealed. And he, you know, he hurts himself and he's going to be out for a significant period of time and not able to play in the Super Bowl. Well, that's football. And that's not an asterisk. Stuff happens and you got to adjust and you got to move on. That's why you have a backup quarterback. But COVID-19 wiping out one of the superstars is about to play in the Super Bowl is not football. So what do they do? Do like I think there's two options. And this is crazy for me to do they like push the game back A or B do they try to sweep it under the rug and just say screw it. This is the last week of the season. I don't care if everyone playing in the Super Bowl gets covid, they're going to play this damn game. What do they do? I got to tell you if I was the Broncos and they find a way to move back the Super Bowl so a quarterback could come back, I would have lawsuits. You you couldn't even fit all the documents in in Roger Goodell's <laughs> office. I would be livid. And that but now that's that's the trap that they've set them for themselves, right? Like you walked right into that. You 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 can't tell the Broncos, "Listen, you got to get this kid off the street and let him play in an NFL game." But but if it's Patrick Mahomes, you know, we're uh, if it's Patrick Mahomes, we're gonna push it back for him. Uh, and then how do you break it down like by position? Like if it's Frank Clark, if it's like Tyron Matthew, like is that are we gonna push it back for Tyron Matthew or for Patrick Mahomes and not for Tyron Matthew? Are we gonna value different guys at different spots? And and you know maybe profit wise, yeah, you you would probably want to do that, but like. Now you've set a precedent for yourself where we're not we're not doing that. Like you got to go out there with Joe Schmo off the street and play. And I think you know the NFL's really set themselves up for a bad look if in ca- if if that's the case. You know if somebody does have a positive leading up to the Super Bowl. I, I just don't understand what the problem is. I mean, obviously, like I said before, it just seems like they don't want to move the Super Bowl. And that they're committed to their schedule, which was just a, a negligent move at, at best. What's what's the problem with with a pause of the season? Like, is it fair to every team? Probably not. But you know what? You should probably give them money because you screwed them out of this. It's not them that it's not it's no one's fault. Listen, COVID outbreaks were gonna happen. I think we all understood that at the beginning of the year. But to not be, you know, compromising with the schedule to to have one set of rules for non-playoff teams and another set of rules for the playoff team slash money teams. It's just ridiculous. And I just think like after the game is played on Wednesday, what is the problem with saying, you know what, week 13 and week 14 will get, get moved to the schedule after week 16 and 17 or set up. What's the problem with a two-week pause, looking back at the guidelines, looking back at how can we make sure that for the last four weeks of the NFL regular season and for the last and then the playoffs, 
that we do not have this happen because we can't like who even knows about the NFL. I'm sure they're not losing much money, but these teams are getting screwed out of games. Now, you know, the Steelers, the Ravens, whoever they play are all going to be on a messed up schedule for Mm -hmm. the rest of. So why can't you just take a two week break, push everything back and figure it out? I, I mean, it's it clear that the NFL is really, yeah, it's clear that the NFL really only cares about money because even if you look at the safety of the COVID protocols and whatever, like you're allowed to wear a shield that clearly doesn't cover your face if you're a coach. Yeah, uh, and guys, have and then like they on put an out, angle like yeah, <laughs> and then they put anything. the they tr- and yeah, and then they trotted out they trotted out the Broncos where you had to know they were running the ball 75 to 80% of the time. So not only is Hinton in up in a precarious spot because he has no, he has no idea what he's doing. He doesn't even know the offense. You have every lineman in a precarious spot because they can load the box and pretty much run with their hair on fire knowing they can't do anything else. And the running backs are in a bad spot like the whole team was just put out there to dry. Yeah. By and Philip Lindsay Philip Lindsay got hurt. Yeah, you it's got hurt. Yes, it's BS. I I personally would put on a two week pause. Yeah, but obviously it's not going to happen if they let you know we have it in the notes and we haven't said it yet. But if they were going to cancel or pause or whatever, they already would have done it. So they're yeah, clearly absolutely. not going to do it, and it's going to just going to be a shit show to watch the last four weeks of the NFL season play out. Yeah, and you're not wrong. They don't use the. If they don't use the bubble in the playoffs, I think that's actually just a negligent, dumb move. Yeah, and I I guess the one thing I'll say to kind of wrap this up is, will we see other leagues have the same problems, and then will it kind of make – I'm not trying to, like, argue on behalf of the NFL. Trust me, that's not what I'm trying to do. But, like, you know, the NBA pulled everything off perfectly because they went into a bubble, and, you know, they were able to get a, you know – a pretty good product for the playoffs, something everyone I think was pleased with considering the circumstances. But now what happens to the NBA now? Um, you know, there's less guys on a team. You have less practice squad guys. There's less guys to sign off the street and bring in and, you know, fill in gaps that are left because of positive tests. So it'll be interesting to see if other sports struggle as much as the NFL. But I will say this. I think there's no doubt that Adam Silver and the NBA team will have a better plan of action to adjust and, you know, react to situations like this than the NFL has had. But that, you know, that, that all remains to be seen. So we'll see what happens. Um, and you know, you, another thing I want to talk about is college football and you can't talk about any sport without having COVID kind of be a part of it because it's affected everything. Um, you know, and that, that's just the, the world we're living in right now, but you want to talk about the college football playoff and there's even COVID implications there right now. Your top four is Bama, Notre Dame, Clemson, and Ohio state, but Ohio state, because a, the big 10 wasn't going to play and then started late and it was behind schedule and everybody else. And now Ohio state has had games canceled. They're at risk of potentially being easily, in my opinion, easily a top four team in the country without any questions asked and not being able to play even in their conference championship game, because if they get one more game canceled, they're not eligible by Big Ten rules. You have to play a certain amount of games, and if they miss one more game additional to what they've already missed, they would not play in the conference championship game. And then if you don't have a Big Ten championship and you've only played, what, five games, are they going to throw you in the college football playoffs? So maybe it won't be the best four teams in the country if something further happens to Ohio State. So 
like I said, COVID is affecting everything, but we're going to, we're going to look at this, uh, you know, away from the COVID lens and just try to play through some scenarios for the college football playoff. Um, so like I said, right now you have Bama, Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio state. Then at five, you have Texas A&M six, you have Florida and seven, you have Cincy. And because, you know, there's overlap in conferences in some of these top seven teams, you have some interesting scenarios that could play out because obviously if things go as planned and there's not a bad loss for either of these teams, Alabama is going to play Florida in the SEC championship. You think no matter what happens, the winner there is in, um, And then you have Notre Dame and Clemson who have already played. Obviously, that was another game affected by COVID. Trevor Lawrence didn't get to play. Clemson still put up a good fight, lost in overtime uh, to Notre Dame. So that's like one of, uh, you know, you start looking at losses and strength of losses and, you know, all that stuff. And it's like, well, you know, they beat Clemson. But then if Clemson comes back and beats them in the ACC championship, it'd be hard to boot Notre Dame because they already beat Clemson once. They beat the number one team in the country and their loss would be to a Trevor Lawrence led Clemson. So it's hard to boot Notre Dame out of the top four. But then you have to put Clemson in because Clemson beat Notre Dame when they were at full strength. So the whole thing is, you know, there's a lot of implications. And I know there's always a lot of implications with the college football playoff. But this year, probably more than ever. So I guess I'll ask you guys this. What scenario do you guys see playing out? Uh, you know, obviously taking into account that Ohio State thing and then the conference championship games that are still going to happen. To me, I envision the four teams that are the top four currently staying in that top four. I think the order will flip, though. I think Clemson's going to beat Notre Dame in the ACC championship game at full strength. I think that would bump them to two. I think if Ohio State stays undefeated and wins the Big Ten championship, barring, as you said, no more canceled games, I mean, I'm a Notre Dame hater, and the show knows this, but I'd put Ohio State 3 and Notre Dame 4 and leave Bama 1 if they could, you know, clinch that SEC championship against a good Florida team, by the way. Like, that, that's, mm. a, that's a solid Florida team. They have a bad loss, um, and if they didn't take that bad loss to A&M, Cincinnati would not even be on my screen at the, like, on the radar at the moment for this, but... I think these top four are going to stay. I just think the order is going to switch. I think it's going to be Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, Notre Dame. Yeah, I agree. Um, I just, I, I can't envision a scenario where Alabama is in a close game the rest of the year. Like, I think they're going to be the national champions. Um, they're clearly better than every other team, and they've played every week from the beginning of the season until now. Uh, so Florida, while they are a very good team, There's just no, they're not even the same stratosphere as Alabama. So, like, then that just leads to the question of, like, will Ohio State get to their threshold of games? And honestly, if you think about it, if the Big Ten stayed with, you know, their their, uh, cancellation of the season, A, they'd look real smart right now, (laughs) and B, I mean, it would be insane, right? Because then you'd have a situation where, like, Either someone, you know, Texas A&M would be coming in, you know, despite not playing the the SEC championship because they'd have one loss or you'd have Cincinnati. Or you can have, you know, if Ohio State loses too, which I don't know if that'll happen, but then you kind of have like, all right, well, Ohio State played six, seven games. They lost. The Big Ten wasn't as good this year because everyone's beating up on everyone. Then what do you do? But I, like Ann said, I think it's going to stay chalk. Uh, 
Notre Dame will be four, I guess, because they'll they will have lost to Clemson. And then I guess the only one, you know, the only scenario which I think we're all kind of throwing out of the window, but is uh, you know, if Notre Dame somehow wins that ACC championship, you know, then what? Yeah, then Clemson's for sure bounced. Because, you can't lose you know, to the same team twice. But at the end of the day, how do you how do you take the Clemson loss to Notre Dame in the beginning of the season where they didn't have their starting quarterback? They didn't have three of their best defensive players either due to injury. How do you how do you rank that, you know, compared to Florida two losses, SEC championship loss, A&M one loss, didn't play in the SEC championship at all, or Cincinnati undefeated uh, non-Power 5 conference champion, that's a tough one to really choose. I think that if Clemson if Clemson loses again, I think there's no way you could tell Cincinnati that they're not in. After yeah, that. and it's Personally. tough. It's tough. And then, yeah, but, but if then that's the have, case, why do you why would you not have Cincinnati ahead of a one loss A and M team with their one loss being a pretty weak one? You yeah. know what I mean? Like it's it's, it's tough. Do they then just uh, flip it at the end and say we're going to take the team yeah. that you know you won all your games? You should be in. But I don't and think anybody really wants to how, see Cincinnati in. They'll yeah. get blown out. It's tough to say like how they will rank strength of schedule because not every team is going to have the same amount of games. You know, like Ohio State's going to finish with seven. Cincinnati's going to finish with 10, 11. But like, did they play anyone? Not really compared to who Ohio State played in those seven games. You know, not compared to what Alabama played the whole season. So uh, it's going to be interesting. I think this is going to be, you know, if someone can contest with Alabama, it will be a very entertaining college football playoff. I just don't see it happening unless Clemson stays stays the the straight path and even then i think they're not even in the same stratosphere as alabama on the field yeah and you know there there are a lot of scenarios but i i think that is by far the most interesting one the one you brought up clemson loses again they can't be in and then what do you do it's kind of like okay well we had a and m ahead of cincy all this way so are we going to change it now just because now there's kind of an opening that it would make sense to slot Cincy into. But, I mean, let's be honest. Don't you think if Cincy played A&M, A&M would smoke them? Don't yeah. you think so? Yeah. yeah, I think so, too. And then yeah. it's also like, how is that even fair to Florida? Because if Texas A&M was playing in the SEC championship, they would have two they losses, would, too. They'd have yeah, that's a good point. Florida would be in. So it's kind of like, well, that's kind of screwed. And then, you know, that gets into the whole uh, – you know, four playoff teams isn't enough scenario, but that's, you know, a topic for a different time, unfortunately. And they you, have know, to think about you know what, though? It, we're, we're sitting here, right? It's Tuesday, December 1st at about 3 p.m. By the time you guys are hearing this, a new ranking will be out, I believe. So then will if, anything change, you think? I, I that's what I'm saying, though. Like if they jump Cincinnati up even one spot over Florida, then if Clemson loses, like you could justify Cincy going from six to four over just A&M or just Florida, then seven to four over both those teams. And I guess it all depends, like how convincing are these teams wins down the stretch? You know what I mean? Because that's something that they account for. Excuse me. But it's an unenviable position to be on the college football playoff committee any year. It's an especially unenviable position to be on the college football playoff committee this year in 2020, um, because, you know, no matter what you do, 
somebody's going to think you're wrong. So not somebody, plenty of people are going to think you're wrong and disagree with you. But, uh, you know, I guess that's the nature of the beast. And like Mike said, it's a story for another time, but I wouldn't hate to see a few more teams get in. Um, so we don't have to have this conversation every year about good football teams, not making it, but we'll see what happens. And like Anthony said, we'll, we'll have probably a slightly more clear picture. I mean, none of these teams lost, so there's no obvious, like, okay, this team's getting bounced and a new team's coming in. Um, but I think, you know, as we progress closer to the end of the season, we'll, we'll have a better idea of what's going to happen. Um, all right. I just want to touch on this really quickly because absolutely nothing's happened. Um, MLB free agency. We've had, uh, I feel like the past few years, uh, there have been a couple years where it's kind of been like this. And now this year add in the fact that, you know, we're, we're dealing with a pandemic and I think this is going to be the slowest free agency you've ever seen. I mean, I remember, uh, I believe when the show was just me and Anthony before we made the the pleasant addition of of Big Mike over there, um, we talked like we would do an episode every week, and for like a month, like four straight episodes, we were still talking. Okay, where's Manny Machado going to go? Yeah, where's I was Bryce just Harper about to say go? that was the Machado and Harper offseason. Yeah, nobody and, wanted to sign first. Yeah, literally nobody wanted to put pen to paper, and it dragged on for a long time. So I wonder if that's going to happen, um, you know, with some of these big names like the Bowers, the Springers, the Real Mutos. Uh, you know, if they just keep holding out and seeing if someone eventually just says, "Ah, eh, you know what, let's just do it," and uh, you know, and throws the bag at them. But it'll be interesting to see. I, I just. I am interested, I guess I'm not a Mets fan, but I'm interested the most by the Mets, man. I think it's hard not to be, uh, you know, Uncle Steve Cohen goes in there uh, and he has literally come out and said, we're going for it. And if it bothers you that we're going for it, then I don't know what to tell you, because this is, you know, we're trying to win World Series um, and we're, we're trying to we're trying to bring some glory to Queens. So uh, we'll we'll see what happens with them. But, I, you know, I figured I'd just get you guys' thoughts on that. Do you think he actually puts his money where his mouth is? Because he's been talking big. Do you think he goes out and gets multiple of these top-level guys and maybe even tries to pry a couple guys from the Yankees and maybe LeMahieu or maybe Tanaka? Or then you got the Springers, the Trevor Bowers. Like, wait, does he put his money where his mouth is? You know what? I, I don't know. I can't sit here and say for certain that he lands some of these guys, but I can tell you that I don't think he's all bark and no bite. Like, I think what he's saying at these press conferences, like, they asked him about finding a new GM, and he flat out said, like, or the, I believe the reporter said, like, are you worried that your lofty expectations might scare away some good GM ca- candidates? And he was like, you know, they, they must not be that good at GM candidates then. Like, if you don't want to come here and win right away, don't come here. Don't apply. Don't do nothing. So... And, and, you know, God rest his soul. And dare I say it, this is the boss activity here. This is George, George Steinbrenner activity. Like he, this guy is coming out guns blazing early within the first few weeks of taking over. Um, and I got to tell you, if the Yankees personally, I don't think Tanaka is coming back, which sucks. Cause I'm a Tanaka fan. I think he ain't going far though. I think he'll be in a Mets uniform. And if DJ walks, a, there'll be a ride in the Bronx. They might burn the stadium down. But B, he ain't going far either. Cohen's going to throw the bag at him too because how could you not? He's the best hitter in baseball. I think that that has to be the most key priority thing for the Yankees to do is to re-sign DJ LeMahieu. But I, I think Steve Cohen's going to go for it. I, I can't sit here and tell you that he's going to successfully land all these top free agents because who the hell knows what, what other people are going to offer and what guys are going to prefer. But uh, I think he is going to go out there and make a damn good push for it. Uh, first, I'd like to tip my cap to Tanaka. Um, we will never forget every great deed that the man did for the New York Yankees. Um, <laughs> it is very clear he's not coming back. 
Retrospect. Because, because unfortunately, the Yankees have Garrett Cole, then Luis Severino, then Davey Garcia, Michael King coming up, and then you have one more spot to fill with like Herman, Paxton, all guys that are already under contract. So Paxton's a free agent, isn't he? Um, I think actually he might be. He might be. I think I saw him as a name Montgomery. Montgomery. Yeah, that's what it is, Montgomery. So you know, we already have a a full rotation, and you know, I guess in terms of like, well, he's thirty-one, thirty-two years old, UCL. Yeah, whatever. Um, I personally wish that Steve Cohen bought the Yankees instead of the Mets because I've never seen anything like this before in my entire life. This has been the most excited I've been about a team that's not my team in a long while. And, you know, the only thing that sucks is is that there's a very real chance that within three years, if the Yankees don't win one uh, World Series in these next three years, that the Mets will be the Yankees in New York. And I am scared of that. Yeah, well, there's still 20-something World Series short of being oh, the It Yankees. won't matter, though. If they're, if they're the team that's hot now, you could pretty much throw the, the history aside. Yeah, and if we're on a 15-year drought. Because, you, yeah, know how bad, you know how bad Yankees fans have been to Mets fans over the past 20 years? I, we're going to get brutalized in the streets. <laughs> brutalized. So I'm a little nervous. Uh, you know, MLB, pl- these... These free agencies are always so carried out. I mean, I guess you've got to really be a fan of the of the league to really try to follow it, you know, every day in and out or every week in and out, really. Because, like you said, Colin, this stuff isn't changing now for months. These, these guys aren't getting signed, you know, probably until at least the, the end of the year. Uh, you know, maybe not even until February, like which we saw with Machado and the, and the Harper offseason. They got signed like two weeks, one week before spring training. I actually think after um, pitchers and catchers already reported for some of these teams. So you're, you're looking at a situation of that again. And uh, uh, if, they, if the Yankees lost LeMahieu. Well, bro, the, the part of this that we're not talking about right now is the, I mean, this is within the last couple of weeks, recent news, I guess, like Cano out with the PEDs. Here comes Steve Cohen looking for a new infielder. Like I'm telling you, man, it's not as far fetched as like no, some Yankee fans want to believe. Like you got to take fans, the rose colored glasses off at some point. The Mets and, fans believe he's coming for a hundred percent. It's lovely to see. And lovely it's see. interesting because you've seen like Marcus Stroman was a guy that everybody thought he was going to decline his qualifying offer and go hit free agency, and he was like, "No, I, I want to be a part of this. Like this, this could be something special." almost immediately because obviously the Mets have had their their struggles but they have some like I think it's not that complicated like they have some obvious holes that if they fill they're actually a pretty good team like they're a talented roster they that got, has been they got killed rid of the biggest hole by their problems. they got rid of the biggest hole the biggest hole is that the owner had no idea what they were doing and yeah, were abs- not absolutely trying to win now well, from a roster standpoint from a roster standpoint, they don't have a bad team. They have some oh, good pieces. They have some good arms. Like you just got to add in the right, you know, the right pieces to the puzzle. And like they could immediately this season be a World Series contender. Like it's not that far fetched. It really isn't. Um, uh, before we move on, I just want to, you know, 
I'm just going to ask this question, and I don't even really need an answer from you guys because I think, you know, deep inside my soul, I know the answer. The Red Sox, obviously, the whole point of trading Mookie Betts and David Price was to get under the luxury tax. Now that you're under the luxury tax and you have plenty of money to spend, like the Red Sox could and have the money without going over luxury tax, without having any issues, could go out and spend big and get a George Springer, get a Trevor Bauer. They could really sign anybody that they wanted to at this point if they actually want to throw the bag. But will they do it? Or does John Henry still care more about soccer and wants to keep the Red Sox on a low payroll? I, I don't know. Um, it remains to be seen, but I'm hoping, uh, I'm hoping Heim Bloom is not too full of the, the Tampa Bay thing because Tampa Bay doesn't even pay their own guys. Like Tampa Bay will have stars and then they'll just let them go. Like we've seen this so many, so many times, Chris Archer, David Price, all these guys who were great players in Tampa Bay that you would think any organization would want to keep, but you know, a homegrown talent like that, they just say, all right, you're, someone's going to go pay you and it ain't going to be us. So I'm hoping that ain't Heim Bloom and I'm hoping Heim Bloom is ready to, you know, put some money on the table and try the Boston Red Sox. We're not the Tampa Bay Rays. Like we are a, a franchise with rich history, a, you know, one of the top organizations in major league baseball, uh, definitely top five. Like you got to go out there. The whole point of getting hired was, yeah, we want to find you. We want Heim Bloom to find some of those guys that Tampa Bay found where you find some diamonds in the rough and you're able to bring in some pieces that are, you know, cheaper than they probably should be. But that doesn't mean you can't then spend some of your big payroll that we have Tampa. You weren't spending payroll cause you didn't have payroll. In Boston, you have payroll. I'd like to see him use some of it. We'll see if it actually happens. Yeah, and there you go, Colin. I mean, that's the question, right? And and with the slow movement of this free agency, we still don't know if Haim Bloom is like in the mindset of undervalued guys that we're going to go out and try and fill our spots with, or if he's thinking, you know, let's go out and throw the bag at somebody. Let's get one of these marquee guys who are who are up for free agency. Uh, that's one of, that's one of the things that sucks about this slow moving shit is we really have no idea like what the plan there is going to be. I, I obviously, you know, Yankees fan, it is what it is, but like, it'd be fun to see the Sox go out and, and, you know, put that plan where they let Mookie walk, like put that plan to action now, go out and, and give your fan something back because you just had a year of damn Mookie's gone. We absolutely stink. But at least you had it in the back of your mind a little bit that, all right, we're going to have some money to spend. Hopefully we can do something with it. Now, if you don't do something with it, do you feel I'll literally ask you personally, like you almost have to feel twice as bad about Mookie leaving if you didn't you didn't get anything back for it. Like you didn't do anything with that money. Yeah. And you reset the luxury tax to then go be able to spend. That's the mindset that I'm in. You know, you because you only reset the luxury tax if you're, you know, planning to spend more money because then if you're over the luxury tax, your luxury tax continues to grow. But at the same time, it's a double-edged sword because then it's like, okay, do we go out and give George Springer some crazy contract? I know that's a name a lot of Red Sox fans have thrown around. He was a Red Sox fan growing up from Connecticut, Yukon kid, whatever. I, do we go out there and throw a bag at George Springer and then just open ourselves up to everybody saying, oh, if you're going to throw the bag at George Springer, why don't you just throw a little bit more to keep Mookie Betts? You know what I like? So it, it, it is a double edged sword, double edged sword. I personally just want to see him throw the bag at a pitching staff. Like if it was, if it was Trevor Bauer, I'd pay him whatever he wants to bring him in there. And then all of a sudden you go from having one of the worst pitching staffs in the MLB to getting Chris sale back, still having Evaldi, getting Erod back and having Trevor Bauer. I mean, Cy young Trevor Bauer, Yeah, that, that might be one of the best top fours in the American league. All of a sudden, just cause you get two guys back or one back from injury and one back from COVID 
and you add the Cy Young of the National League or go get a Brad Hand, go get an Alex Colome. You need relievers. Like I just want to see them actually fill the the holes in the team. Like last offseason, we knew the bullpen was a problem. We knew the rotation was a problem and they did nothing to address it. So there's nothing more frustrating than knowing you have a problem and not trying to fix it. But we'll see what happens. And, you know, there's, you know, so much so much time now. We're just, I think, going to be playing the waiting game, no matter what you know team you're a fan of. We're going to be playing the waiting game because there have been very few signings, uh, you know, that are even worth noting. Uh, the Mets actually just made their first when they signed Trevor May, a pretty decent relief pitcher, but none of the marquee guys are are flying off the board, or you're even really hearing anything. Like you haven't even heard the rumblings of the hot stove heating up. So. I think it's going to be a long time before we actually get a, you know, a resolution to some of these questions that, that we have. But, uh, you know, we did it two years ago with Bryson Machado. We'll do it this year. We'll be here every week talking about whatever rumors there are. How crazy is it that we could think back to a moment on this show from two years ago at this point? That just kind of blew my mind a little bit. I know. Yeah, that is pretty crazy. We're, Colin, we're doing, if I were you, we I'd want, I'd want uh, Trevor Bauer, actually. Yeah. Because not only... Like, I don't yeah. listen the Reds, <laughs> the Reds, not only was he the best pitcher, he made everyone around him on the staff. Yeah, he's got some life to him. His like, under- and no? he, he literally said it like, I, I just with started the to understand. I just started to, I, bro, and I want him too on the Yankees, but I mean, obviously we don't, we're not going to do it. He has such he's an gonna turn around and throw the ball into Monument yeah. Park the first and time Boone is, comes out of the dugout. Yeah, and then hit Ruth in the what, mouth with a fucking fastball. What made me say this is look at the Rays, right? They always come up with these tremendous talents, right? And then they let them go. And then they're never still bad because they bring up the next guys and they just apply the analytics to them. So why wouldn't you get a guy who's going to do that for you just for his contract? He's going to help out everyone around you. Especially Erod, like you have a young pitcher there with a real chance to to be, you know, solid, and he's kind of showing his potential. I would want to throw the money at him because not only is he getting better, he's making people around him better. And like you said, you don't want to see Mookie Betts' saved money, uh, you know, pretty much go to waste. And to personally, Liverpool. for me, I want to <laughs> see him spend money because my house is not as fun when the Red Sox are the worst team in the AL East. And I'm not getting shit from my brother every day. Oh, Red Sox are coming. Red Sox are coming. Watch out. Watch out. So it was not a fun season for anyone around here, including you guys. Yeah. So for me, it's definitely Bauer over Springer or any of the position players. I, I, I think you need the arms. And I like, you know, you keep JD, you still have Bogey and some of those guys. Verdugo looks like a good offensive piece. I think you're going to be able to score runs, but you got to be able to prevent runs. So I'd like to see them go after Bauer. But I think Bauer, it's like he's been linked to every team and he's been doing yeah. this thing on Twitter where he's like tweeting at a bunch of different teams mm-hmm. and cities and fan bases. So I think everybody everybody who's, you know, at least the contending team thinks that they might have a chance for Trevor Bauer if they have any money to spend. So I'm not, I'm not holding my breath on him. That's for sure. Um, all right. I want to get to this before we get to our hardware of the week and get out of here. Tar Heels basketball, you know, that's the one thing. And I think people forget this. That's the one thing on this show that we can all agree on that. We all, you know, have, have the same rooting interest in. Um, and you know, we all, we all bleed light blue a little bit. Um, if we were smart enough, we probably all would have gone to UNC Chapel Hill, but yeah, no here doubt. we are. Here we are at sacred heart university posing as UNC fans. No, I'm just, 
But um, season started, uh, college basketball and other sports going to have to work through COVID. But uh, UNC looks like they're going to have a pretty solid team this year. Um, I just want to say I- I've watched a couple a couple of the games, and R.J. Davis looks really good. Shout out to Coach Massaroni. Uh, if you haven't seen that interview, uh, despite the fact that it was a little while ago, it'll still be a great listen for anybody who's interested in what he had to say about you know both these guys and about his program as a whole. Um, but yeah, sh- shout out to Coach Pat. Uh, he he groomed up R.J. Davis pretty well and passed him off to Roy Williams. And I think Roy is going to do the rest and probably, you know, uh, one day hand this kid off to an NBA coach. So uh, it's exciting to see him here. Um, I, I do, you know, I'm not as keen on UNC uh, currently. I haven't gotten into it as much as, as these two guys have. So I want to turn it off to you guys. What do you think of UNC? You think they have a legitimate chance to make a push this year? Yeah, you know, I... Obviously, early in the season, I don't know really what the rest of the conference landscape looks like. But, I mean, to me, Carolina looks like a typical ACC championship contender, as we've seen in years past. Like, they're playing fast. R.J. Davis moves the basketball. That is for shit sure. He moves the basketball. And they've got guys returning like Armando Baycott and Garrison Brooks, who was the preseason ACC conference player of the year, like, those guys are running the floor just as we've seen them do in the past. Um, Leaky Black for sort of an athletic spark when needed. And the Perry Ellis in North Carolina, Andrew Playtech, who's going on his ninth season as a heel. I mean, this kid just keeps <laughs> popping up every year. Um, you know, but to me, they look good, man. I, it's, it, it looks like we're doing a lot of three-point shooting this year. Maybe a little bit too much early on in the season. But, you know, Playtech's been hitting for sure from deep rj davis led all scores against unlv last night he dropped 16 points um the lights do not seem too bright for him and that's coming off a year right where we just had cole anthony another highly touted freshman point guard who we were expecting a lot from obviously injuries played a little bit into that but he's sort of you know you don't you hate to say under delivered but that's just the case of what it was Hopefully, R.J. Davis can keep the offense moving quickly. That's the brand of basketball they like down in Chapel Hill. Um, and and hopefully, they can make things tough for like a slow-playing team like Virginia, where they're going to score you know, 30 points a half and be all right with that. I think if we could keep up pace of play um, and, and keep these guys rocking like, and let Brooks really take over as, as a leader, a veteran leader of that team, they've got a chance to compete for an ACC chip and then let the chips fall where they may in our March slash May madness bubble, whatever they're going to do. Um, which I, I don't even know if that's been fully decided yet. I think they're still waiting to see kind of what the cancellations and schedule changes look like. But to me, the heels look really good. I mean, we, we, we need Roy to freaking coach this year. Cause he really didn't do much of that last year and it's hard to see, but we, we really need that this year. Cause we have a good team, a very good team in my opinion. Yeah, I think we have a lot better of a team than last year. Um, just off the top, Caleb Love and R.J. Davis are head and shoulders better than Cole Anthony and, you know, Leaky Black or whoever was out there, you know, last year for us. Um, I, I'm not going to go as far as Ant did with, you know, I, I, there's still some questions for me personally on this team. And number one is how much Roy Williams really helps us more than hurts us. Um, you love this. All, Last year, you were all in on the get rid of Roy I'm, Williams. I'm still no in on it. No only way. because I have not, like, there's nothing to me about our style of play 
that says he does much for us at all at this point. Like, it would be different if we were playing the right. Like, I'll tell right you what, now does. Have, he gets these guys in the door, man. Uh, he, he gets these guys down to Chapel door. Hill. You, well, anyone could get them. Anyone could get someone to Chapel Hill. It's North Carolina basketball. Yeah, but can you get someone to Chapel Hill over a, a Duke or a Kentucky or I've, a Kansas? I think Williams is your only chance of doing that. Uh, I mean. Obviously, you'd have to find the new. Like, they're gonna have to find a new coach at some point. But we'll see what happens. Yeah, uh, I mean, he's no I, spring chicken. He's, yeah, little, I, yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, natural causes would probably be to believe that. But like, you, what I'm name recognition up there with Coach K, like Roy Williams? Yeah, I think the the X factor of the team is Puff Johnson, Cam Johnson's brother. If can if Roy realizes that we need to pretty much sit down Baycott until he could figure out how to actually play basketball because right now he is just not that good unless he's three to four inches bigger than the power forward out there. Cam's um, brother is truthful though. Yes. Truthful. Very truthful. Lefty three point baller. Truthful. Uh we need to have four guards slash forwards who can handle the ball out there with Garrison Brooks running up and down. Right now, I they're not really doing that. They're doing it because R.J. Davis is sprinting up and down the court, which is lovely to see. But other than that, no one's really running the court with him. Uh, I mean, we'll have a lot better of a gauge on like where they are after today, where they play. Um, you know, there's their Maui Invitational semifinals, so I play. Stanford, which is going to be a good test for them. Stanford was running all over Alabama last night. And then I think they'll play the winner of this Texas-Indiana game. So we'll really find out where they are after, you know, this game. And then, you know, whether they play the winner or the losers of the next games, then we'll see. I think we'll have more of, you know, an outlook. But right now they look a lot more talented than last year, which is a good sign because, you know, Last year, our, our biggest problem was that we were just not as good as the other, these other teams. He was not as good as we thought he was. He also was injured. So to see some lively play from the guards is lovely. Uh, play tech, I mean, geez, just get him out of there. But he's obviously <laughs> going to have to play a little bit because he's a senior and, you know, he's been there the most. Uh, but there's a how lot many of red problems. shirts can you take? He's gonna he's gonna have a drawer full of red yeah. shirts. <laughs> Eighth year senior, super super senior. It's, it's been promising the first two games. It definitely yeah, and I think uh, I think once you know they get into a conference schedule and stuff like that, you'll have more of an idea. But look at this point, I think what you know all three of us can agree on is we're just looking for fun to watch, uh, competitive. Give us you know some hope heading towards March. I don't have to be a one seed. Uh, you know, just just a team that, you know, has a chance and, and can go out there and, and see what they can do with that chance. So I still believe in Roy Williams. I always will. I mean, I'm pretty sure the guy passed Dean Smith for wins at North Carolina or I mean, total wins. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, Mike, he might not be the greatest X's and O's coach, but you ain't bringing in these guys if you don't have Roy Williams there. So we'll uh, we'll remain faithful in Roy Williams, at least from my end. Um, all right. I want to uh, do our heart of the week. Uh, I've missed this segment. This is a great, great part of the show. Great way to get out of here. I'll start us off really quick. Um, my heart of the week and, you know, I guess the past couple of weeks, obviously, because we haven't done an episode for me as Celtics fans, um, or I should say a select group of Celtics fans um, who are, you know, every every year it's like people are ragging on Danny Ainge so much. And, yeah, would I have liked to see Danny Ainge take the three first-round picks he had and maybe try to move up to the top ten or whatever? 
Maybe, but who are you really going to get at 10 that was different than what we got at 14? I mean, the biggest need on this team, and I know Anthony watched a bunch of games with me during the bubble, and I kept saying two things. We need someone who can hit a three-pointer off the bench, and we need somebody who can rebound. Rebound. And they got, with their draft picks, they got Aaron Naismith, a 53% three-point shooter. I mean, you can't ask for much better than that. He's not going to, you know be on the highlight reel for slashing to the basket or, or making plays on his own, but they don't need that. You have Jason Tatum, you have Jalen Brown, you have Kemba Walker. You need somebody who can help these guys when they dribble, penetrate, and kick out, and you can actually knock down a shot, and then that starts to space the floor more for these guys. So, you know, that is one thing, but the thing that really bothered me is the Gordon Hayward thing. And, you know, everybody wants Danny Ainge to mirac- – Gordon Hayward opts out, obviously, and everyone wants – Danny Ainge to miraculously pull off a sign and trade. And I think people forget, and I like this doesn't seem like that hard of a concept to me, and I don't understand how people can't like, really process this. For a sign and trade, Danny Ainge doesn't get to decide where Gordon Hayward's going. All these Celtics fans were mad because the Pacers wanted to offer us Miles Turner in a sign and trade for Gordon Hayward. And that's, you know, there's been many reports they were offering Miles Turner in a pick to get Gordon Hayward on the sign and trade. Okay, that is assuming that Indiana offered Gordon Hayward as much money, Gordon Hayward wanted to go to Indiana instead of Charlotte, and that it actually would have happened because Gordon Hayward has to put pen to paper for a sign and trade to happen. So everyone ragging on Danny Ainge, oh, you blew an opportunity to get Miles Turner and help this team, and you got back nothing, you got back nothing, which actually isn't true. Danny just completed the trade. We threw a second-round pick with Gordon Hayward to get the largest trade exception in NBA history, which I know it doesn't sound like much because you're not actually getting a player right now, but when the Celtics are, you know, feel like, oh, we're one move away and that guy becomes available – and you don't have to trade to bring in a pl- like we have a twenty eight million dollar trade exception. That means we can bring in somebody who's twenty eight million dollars without giving up any salary off of our team. That's like not a max player, but that you could get a really good player with that trade exception. And like I said, it's the largest one in history. So he a got something for Gordon Hayward that could be valuable to us in the future, and b. The Hornets threw the bag at Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward got a ridiculous contract. Like thirty million a year over four years, fully guaranteed. A would not have wanted to pay that myself. B, I can't imagine Indiana wanted to pay that. So that leads me to my point of don't rag on Danny Ainge for not getting Miles Turner. That means Gordon Hayward would have had to wanted to go to Indiana, would have had to get that contract from Indiana, and then Danny Ainge probably would have gotten Miles Turner. But my simple point, and I'll finish it with this. A sign and trade is called a sign and trade for a reason. The guy has to sign. You know, Gordon Hayward has to decide he wants to go to Indiana. Danny Ainge doesn't say, oh, hey, Gordon, we're going to, you know, sign you to this contract and trade you to Indiana. It's, it's our choice, not yours. Like, that is the most preposterous concept ever, and I don't understand how Celtics fans don't understand that in the slightest and want Danny's head for it because he, he did what he could do. He got something out of Hayward leaving, and that's all you can really ask. But, well, you know. We'll see what they do with the trade exception moving forward, but I'm still a Danny Ainge guy. I always have been, and I will continue to be. I think you know my comments whenever we talk about Celtics rosters moves. I really just want to know if we're at the point yet where it's bring back IT, like because that comes up every six weeks, and I just I've want to know if we're there it. yet. I've wanted it for years, man. <laughs> I saw yesterday that um, you know he was hooping. He was hooping with Kyrie, KD, whoever else he was with, and they were like, "Man, he looks really bad. He looks explosive. He's blown by guys." And the quote was literally, "I haven't blown by anybody since I had a Celtic uniform on." 
And that is all Celtics Twitter had to see. That's all. Bring him back. I love when it gets on Twitter to IT. Bring back the little guy. (laughs) God, it's my favorite part of Celtics roster moves ever. Um, I guess I'll take over my heart over the week. This one's from my personal local listeners. We're going with New Jersey high school football as a whole, up and down the board, heart of the week. Um, Listen, obviously high school sports across the country, wildly different than they have ever been. Obviously everything is in 2020 due to COVID. Um, As we talked about college football playoff, right? Like we've got teams playing different amounts of games, different strength to schedules, different parts of the state. um, And you've got, literally legitimately no joke 20 different publications who are coming out with these rankings uh, of the top teams in the state you've got some where you know you could have bergen catholic rank number one bergen catholic rank number four all across the board i think there's so much turmoil right now between the north jersey football fans the south jersey football fans everybody wants to lay claim to a state championship because every publication's got you ranked in a different spot I think Phil Murphy would be wise to literally extend the high school football season, lift the restrictions for two weeks, get us a two-week tournament of the top four teams playing head-to-head to actually play out to one state championship. I, I, I firmly believe that if there's no playoff, no team can call themselves a state championship. And I think that that's exactly what we need to see right now. I think that people are not going to you know, sit idly by and just go with these rankings as, you know, the word of God and, and, and move on with their lives. I think that you've got to see some sort of play out and, and see where these teams really stand. Um, you've got a lot of folks on Twitter being real brave, real brave. If you follow me, you've seen them being real brave, sticking up for the public versus private argument, the North versus South argument. I'm all in favor of just playing it out. Forget the mask versus non-mask debate. If Phil Murphy wants to save New Jersey, he's going to let two more weeks of high school football play to a singular state champion. Uh, that's my feelings on it. Obviously, you know, that, that's just for my local listeners. I hope you, you guys, you, you must know what I'm talking yeah. about. There's no way you don't. It's the I, biggest thing happening in the tri-state area right now, literally. Like, bigger than Cuomo's press conferences, bigger than <laughs> whatever you want to talk about. New Jersey high school football needs to be a resolution at this moment. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Ant. Uh, there's a reason why these teams don't come play Bergen Catholic. There's they don't a reason why these the teams don't North. come and play St. Joseph's. There's a reason why these teams don't come up and play Don Bosco in a down year. Um, because they have no chance. And it's unbelievable to have these people not have the group four public champ or a non-public champion as the number one seed it's like it's like the cincinnati versus alabama yeah both teams are eight and no but if you're telling me cincinnati doesn't get trashed and i mean trashed by alabama football you're out of your mind and you might find out soon enough though we just went over that scenario you might find out <laughs> public school from south jersey i will repeat for you patrick lanny has no <laughs> chance no chance against Bergen Catholic, Don Bosco, St. Peter, any one of those teams you want to name. It's not just Bergen. I'm not just doing this because Bergen Catholic happens to be the team that I, I'll be real with you. I, don't, I didn't think Bergen Catholic was the best team in the state uh, in terms of talent. But they won all of the games. They were 5-1. and one. They had the toughest schedule. It makes no sense, but 
You know, that's not my heart of the week. My heart of the week will get even. We're going back to the National Football League, baby. And it's specifically, you know, I'm going to make it more about the, the New York Daily News more than about Manish Mehta. Because Manish Mehta is a troll and a clown and a bad journalist, and that's whatever. But for the New York Daily News to employ this man after he showed up to the New York Jets general manager's youth, his son's, his son's youth baseball game, and heckled the kid, not the man, heckled the kid. He, they hired a, a new, or they hired this guy, Charles McDonald. He goes by at four verts on Twitter. I would go check him out. He's now writing for, for the win on the national football league schedule, not just for the jets. Uh, so he was the guy that, and after this happened, after Manish Mehta went and harassed Joe Douglas's son at youth baseball over the summer, they pulled his credentials from the team. He was no longer allowed to, not even in the Zoom room for the press conference, nothing. So he was using Charles's work as his own for a majority of the season, a majority of his articles, all of the quotes. Those are not his. He has been allowed to post this now for, what are we, week 13? 13 weeks of the season. It's, it's disgusting. It's a crime. It is a crime, if I'm not mistaken, Colin. It is a crime to use quotes that are not yours and not attribute them to who got them. Am I not wrong about this? Yeah, so it's it's actually activity going on. Shout out to uh, Paul Paps from the Dan Patrick Show. He's one of my he's one of my professors right now, and we've been going over this stuff in class. And I actually think tonight I have class. I will bring it up to him, and I'm sure it'll make his skin crawl because it's just wrong in so many different ways. It's, it's more disgusting when you think about the fact that at the end of the day, whatever you want to say about Manish Mehta, his, his criminal past, whatever, doing this dumb stuff, he not only stole work, he's not even the best writer of the two. It's not even close. Like This guy was so good. If you read their articles side by side, it's like reading an essay from a college kid and someone who's learning to write in second grade. Manish Mehta is a troll. He's a clown. He has no idea about football. So now the biggest publication in New York or supposed to be the biggest publication in New York, one of the top beat writers is supposed to work for the Daily News. We have this clown who's not even liked by anyone of the Jets beat. And you know what it causes for the Jets? People who understand that the media is so stupid for that team that they're not going to even want to come, or at least before, when we had a bad general manager who was giving the guy information and letting him spew it out to whoever and however he wanted. These guys are not coming to the New York Jets because they know that the media will flip on them, specifically him, and have all these boomer idiots. By the way, these these guys in the Facebook chats and whatever, they still go by Manish Mehta's word. Like, he's the number one guy. He is a criminal. <laughs> criminal. Three syllables. Criminal. I won't bring up his past, but if you're that I would. wild. <laughs> I'm, I'm reading the article right now. <laughs> five-year-old son's football, baseball game, whatever it was, to harass the kid, not the man. Harass the kid. 
there is something wrong with you, and it's a shame that Charles McDonald is not a Jets beat writer right now, and it's an absolute shame that the New York Daily News is a class. It's, it's, I don't know what it is. It's a circus, a circus. Well, dare I say, and, and this is going to sound bold, guys, but so, you know, from one criminal to the other, Manish Mehta is approaching the ranks of Antonio Brown in the hard in the hardo realm. I mean, yeah. besides Antonio Brown does have a hardo of the year under his belt. Manish Mehta has not yet had a hardo of the year, he's but he is definitely defender. a recurring theme on hardo of the week. So, I think he, I think he's up there on the poll of people who have gotten roasted most on this show. He's one more appearance away from me airing out his college Ave dirty laundry. What he's got, <laughs> I won't do it to him right now. He's got one more appearance before I air it out and unload the. I mean clip. his. His back page, his back page today, after Sam Darnold's performance on on Sunday, where we put up three points, is he has five, six more chances to prove that he's the right guy for the Jets. Are you watching the same sport that I'm watching? Like, <laughs> oh, uh, this is what I'm saying. Uh, aside from the criminal stuff and whatever else that he's a troll, he and just he stinks. He has no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> Sam, I mean, I was the biggest Sam Darnold. He stinks. He stinks. Pain. Prove that he's the right guy for the Jets. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? And by the way, you know what? It's even worse because it's now come out that the owners would would re like. When they were looking to to hire whoever two off seasons ago, that they were reading the man's work like Bible. We would not even have Adam Gase if it weren't for this guy. Get him out of here. Fire him. Put him behind bars. Something. Please. <laughs> you. It is not fair to Jets fans that we got stripped of a good beat writer and the rest of it. Adam Gase's two years can be all credited to that bump. bump. <laughs> all right. Well, I bet you guys, when you, when you clicked on the show today and, you know, watched all the way to the end, I bet you guys didn't know that you would be a part of a, a Mike Contento vent slash therapy session. But I I'm think back. me and Anthony, That's yeah, up. you are back. Like you never left. I think me and Anthony can collectively agree uh, that this was probably good for Mike's health that he was able yeah, to get, that get he was that able to get this out. Yeah, so you, you can breathe, breathe a little easier now, Mike. We're proud of you. We're happy for you. Um, but yes, I, I would agree. Just as a journalism student, like I think he's broken every rule that you're not supposed to break. So to still have a job in a you know a prime, I mean the Jets aren't a prime time team, but at the end of the day, it's a huge market. It's it's a prime time you know job opportunity in the journalism world. He should not have it, but. That's going to do it for our episode today, guys. Uh, I had a lot of fun. I know it's a long one, um, and, you know, we, we're trying to stick more to the, the under an hour moving forward, uh, you know, just so it doesn't drag out too long for you guys who are listening. But obviously there's a lot of stuff to catch up on. Obviously we haven't done this in a little while. So we were just having, a, you know, a good time spewing about all these different things. So I hope you stick with us all the way through the whole episode. Um, and I just want to remind you guys, uh, you know, fans out there, I know it's uh, it's the second holiday season of this, but the the What a Hardo T-shirts are still available in the Guy Boston Sports store. 
So go to www.guybostonsportsstore.com uh, and get yourself a What a Hardo t-shirt if you're, you know, if you're riding with us and you're one of our loyal listeners. So we appreciate you guys who uh, who take the time to listen to us. Like I said, I vow that uh, the three of us will bring you uh, weekly content moving forward. And there's, you know, a lot of stuff still happening in the sports world that we're going to be right there to break down and talk about. So uh, thank you again, guys. We hope you have a good, uh, good rest of your week. I hope everyone stays healthy out there. Um, and to you too, I, I appreciate the well wishes. I appreciate you guys coming on here and giving me something to uh, distract myself from the last few days of quarantine. So with that being said, thanks again. We'll talk to you all next week.